Yep. Go ahead. Stay here and enslave people for that lunatic. Keep drinking, keep hiding. But me, I choose to run toward my problems and not away from them. That's what That's what heroes do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Weekly Real Podcast. My name is Jeremy. And my name is Ken. And today we're going to be talking about uh, the MCU. It's actually part six of our MCU rewatch. It's going to include Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok, and Black Panther. And so in just a bit, I'll give a bit of a spoiler warning. But uh, for now, let's go into our podcast ritual where we talk about one notable movie or TV show that we watched in the last week. So Ken, do you have anything uh, you want to share with us? Yes, and uh, you know I'm actually, I guess, disappointed in myself over the last couple of weeks where I haven't really gotten to share something new. Uh, surprisingly, you know, on a week usually where we do talk about the MCU, when we, we're usually talking about three movies, and that kind of cannibalizes a lot of your time on a, <laughs> for a given week. But surprisingly, I was able to watch something new, and so the thing that I want to share with you is a TV show. It's on HBO Max still not sponsored and actually it's an hbo max original and it's the tv show called mayor of east town and uh it's starting kate winslet actually mayor of east town was a show that i kind of wanted to start watching even uh i guess last month um even before the uh the holiday weekend uh because i kept hearing good things about it i mean i i, I do listen to um, entertainment podcasts and uh, they would kind of lead their shows. It'd be like kind of like a headline. They would talk about like the episodes uh, from the previous week uh, 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 from the show. And so just to kind of give you a little bit of a overview, Kate Winslet plays mayor and she's from East town. So <laughs> surprise there. And uh, Kate Winslet uh, or mayor, I should say, is a detective of a very kind of small town. And that's all I'll give in terms of like uh, specifics from the show, because I feel like you need to watch it. It's um, she plays a detective. But that really isn't all about the show. Really, the the show is all about like kind of the interactions between all of the characters and I feel like all of the characters were cast so perfectly and Kate Winslet is so good in this uh in, in this show that you'll forget sometimes that you're watching one of those detective shows you know what I mean Mm-mm. and um well speaking of the cast we were you know like we were just talking about Greenland on uh, the last episode of the newsreel and remember uh, when we were talking about Greenland when we when we initially watched it we were talking about how it was there was like a random cameo from uh, David Denham who plays Roy from the office Mm -hmm. well you know what he's in this show (laughs) Uh, also in this show 
I'm sure you know this guy because, you know, you're a huge Christopher Nolan fan. Guy Pierce. Oh, okay. He's in this show. And last but not least, Ralph Boner himself. No. Evan Peters is in this show. <laughs> Dang it, Ralph Boner. Why couldn't you be Quicksilver for real? <laughs> I know. Seriously. <laughs> so, I know. Uh, so everyone plays their part so good uh it's just a tv mini series it's only seven episodes long uh i dedicated one evening and i got like four episodes done and if i didn't have work the next day i probably could have binge watched the full season on one night it was that good so i might need to check it out so is it more it's like a mystery drama type thing yeah it's a detective type show but that's just not all it's not a one-trick pony is all i'll say all right definitely i'll try to check that out especially since it's on hbo max and you know we we go on there a lot (laughs) apparently and we're still not sponsored and we're still not sponsored but yeah we're still paying for it (laughs) so uh for me man i've been i couldn't watch anything new this week uh but i still watched um or i was re-watching arrow season five <laughs> whoa you know they have eight seasons and all of them on netflix and uh season five is one of my favorite seasons so i decided just to watch a few episodes on in, in season five and i was like oh man it's so good again yeah i mean um i remember wait didn't you have like an interaction with um the main act who, who's the main actor who plays oh, uh, Stephen amell yeah did yeah. you have like? Didn't you tell me like some story with him? Man, I totally forgot. I don't think I ever actually met him or anything. Yeah, I definitely didn't meet him. I know I have his shirt and all that stuff, but I, maybe I forgot. Shoot, I I probably wouldn't forget about anything like that. But anyway, yeah, Arrow it, definitely in Arrow. Um, the seasons that if you were to ever check it out are definitely uh, seasons one and two, and five. <laughs> out of the eight seasons those are definitely the top three seasons i remember i gave arrow a shot i actually liked uh i mean i only gave it a few episodes um i think it was just i was just intimidated by the time commitment of these long cw uh seasons and i i don't know i felt like at the time i was just like man there's just way too many shows for me to kind of get invested in this show where i already know that i was like oh man i was afraid of really liking the show and then just having to just literally just focus on nothing but that show. And at the time, I think there was like a lot of shows going on at the same time. So, uh, but uh, I remember watching the first three episodes and I already liked it a lot. Um, and, uh, but obviously I know when you're dealing with long seasons like that, there's going to be some ups and downs. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And we know that very, very well with like shows like Smallville where I ran like 10 seasons, all that stuff. And yeah, but I definitely recommend to anyone uh, who wants to especially go back to a show that back in 2012, when the superhero genre, I guess, was just like really getting on its uh, getting really high, pretty much. uh, The Arrow is a good one. It kind of follows in the same footsteps as uh, the, the Nolan trilogy, at least for the first couple seasons. But anyway, last week we talked about one of my favorite movies, if not of all time, uh, Whiplash. 
And uh, we got a bit of a poll that Ken ran on our social media. So, Ken, what was uh, the poll for Whiplash? Yeah, so uh, the poll that we ran for Whiplash, uh, we asked, what is your favorite recent movie that features music? That's something that we kind of talked about in last week's episode. And so the choices that we gave were A Star is Born, Bohemian Rhapsody, La La Land, which I mentioned last week, and uh, obviously the uh, the episode that we featured, or the movie that we featured last episode, uh, Whiplash. And in a runaway, first place was Whiplash with 72%. And you know what? If uh, we would have ran that poll just a week, week and a half ago, I probably wouldn't have voted for Whiplash because I hadn't seen it yet. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Just you sharing that with me. Uh, just made me a believer. That movie was so good. It was so intense. And I, I'm just kind of waiting for it to, uh, enough time to pass where I can kind of rewatch it and it'll kind of still feel fresh. You know what I mean? I don't kind of want to overplay it. Yeah, exactly. Cause I know I, I watched it like two times in one month and then I was like, okay, I got to stop watching it. Got to show, show it to you, Ken. Yeah. And basically watch it six months later and still really good. Right. Uh, but if you want to participate in our polls, uh, you can check out our Instagram and Twitter every Tuesday. So Ken's going to put up some some polls on the social medias over there at Weekly Real. All right. So we're going to be talking about three movies today. It's going to be Spider-Man Homecoming. You know, Spider-Man, Peter Parker, Tom Holland. is. This is basically solo outing over here. Uh, and also... Thor Ragnarok is getting Thor is going to get a little bit of a, a revamp, and then Black Panther. Oh man, this is such a Black Panther. <laughs> I forgot how good it was, but we'll definitely get into that. Ooh uh, man, well, you know when when we broke down where each MCU part would be, this was the part that I was looking forward to the most because we literally have three heavy hitters. Yeah, definitely. And there's definitely not enough time to talk about all of them in like hella detail. But uh, we're going to talk about basically our favorite moments and all the highlights of of uh, of every movie. But I want to give our spoiler warning right now, just in case. I don't know. You haven't seen these movies. They've been out at least a few years now. So, uh, yeah, spoiler warning. Go check it out on Disney Plus. Go rent it somewhere. Go buy it on Blu-ray. I know I have um, <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man: Homecoming on on Blu-ray because I because I knew it wasn't going to be on Netflix or or Disney Plus. I'm like I'm having this. yet 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 yeah. We know about the deal with with Sony and <laughs> and Netflix and all that stuff. So yet just but who knows when the world is. Um, uh, a wasteland. There's going to be no more streaming services, so I'll rely on my Blu-rays to watch. This stuff. <laughs> That's very true. It's something that you own, and it's actual actual physical media. Exactly, dude. And I don't know. I felt like last year was almost the time that I was gonna when it was gonna happen, but <laughs> unfortunately, fortunately, uh, that didn't that didn't happen. But anyway. Uh, so Ken, what were your, some of your experiences, uh, and quick thoughts of, with each film? Let's start with, um, Spider-Man Homecoming. Actually, you know what? I, I was going to go mention kind of like all three of them. I mean, mm. really like with all three, I ended up watching 
them in the theaters, but I really wanted to just highlight one experience because it was different. Uh, uh, I guess one experience was more different than, I guess, the other three. Because, you know, when you go to the movie theater, you know, you go there, you, you know, watch it with your friends or whatever. You end up talking about it. But the one experience I want to highlight was the experience that I watched it, uh, for Thor Ragnarok. Um, because, um, I mean, if you remember, we're talking about the predecessors of Ragnarok being Thor and Thor to Dark World. And eh, it wasn't really the greatest <laughs> MCU movies. And I, I feel like that's putting it very kindly. But um, for Thor Ragnarok, you know, like back in, this is what, uh, late 2017, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I had just started working basically where I currently work now at, at a credit union. And um, actually, like as, as a way to kind of, you know, socialize outside of the work environment, our, uh, my credit union actually ended up getting a private screening. They just rented out an entire movie theater and they gave us the opportunity to just reserve tickets. It was completely free and we could bring up to three people with us. So uh, in addition to obviously my coworkers who I've gotten a chance to know, uh, especially these last four years, but even, you know, just kind of back then, I thought we were still pretty close with uh with some of my coworkers even if I was only a couple months in we got to bring actual like people that we knew like friends <laughs> and so it was pretty cool to be able to see that whole thing um for free and with people uh, a crap ton of people that we actually know um so um you can't beat free popcorn free soda free movie ticket and uh, just a bunch of people that you know in one giant movie theater. It's pretty cool. Yeah, dude, that that sounds awesome, dude. I, I can't imagine. I mean, now uh, plenty of theaters are pretty much doing, oh, you can rent your own private theater, private showing for like $100 or whatever. But yeah, to see Ragnarok in a, basically a room full of a lot of people that you know, I think that's, that, that's a cool way to watch that movie because that movie – is hilarious just for to start off with yeah i mean obviously uh with the people that we knew and the fact that it was so entertaining dude the 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 atmosphere was so uh so spot on it was uh it had a good balance of you know people being quiet because it is a movie theater but you got the appropriate reactions when you know stuff was going on especially when something funny was going on yeah those are always the best theater experiences when everyone's polite towards the you know each other but at the same time uh can react at the same time to uh, at the appropriate times like you said yeah uh but same for me like thor uh all, all these movies i watched in theaters i was probably most excited about uh spider-man homecoming just because it's spider-man and after uh, he's gonna be in the mcu for the first time and uh in his own solo movie so I felt like this was our first time to really see if if Tom Holland can carry a movie by himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, in in my opinion, he can. There were definitely things I didn't like about the movie, but for the most part, I did really enjoy Homecoming. Uh, for me, though, with Black Panther, it was pretty crazy. Uh, I watched it once in theaters, and then I never watched it again. <laughs> and which is weird because I really liked. Uh, Black Panther and I just I remember at the time 
everyone was watching it. And obviously, oh, yeah. it was it was a billion dollar movie, I believe, right? Yeah, and it was unexpected too. Just because every you know everyone really was looking forward to Infinity War because remember the trailers that already come out and you know for it to be the movie leading up to Infinity War, um, you know I felt like my expectations on how well it would do kind of dropped, but the fact that it was such a huge cultural phenomenon that it just blew me away that it did that well. Yeah, and even I remember at the time, uh, my professor who who had not watched any Marvel movie went to go to see out Black Panther and really enjoyed it. I was like, dang, this movie must be good. I mean, I already watched it, probably watched it opening day or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, just the fact that people like that, pretty much who's never seen an MCU movie before, uh, just goes in not knowing anyone. Not, it's like, oh, I, I don't know Captain America. I don't know Iron Man. But I went to go see Black Panther and really enjoyed it. So um, just speaks to how, how good that movie, I think, is. And I'm surprised I only watched it the one time yeah. until until this rewatch. <laughs> that actually does surprise me a lot just because uh, I feel like it was definitely one of the better MCU movies. But, I mean, just to kind of add on to what you were saying, yeah, I felt like, Black Panther was such a just a huge crossover hit. It it it, it extended just beyond comic book comic book fans, you know. Yeah, it, it was like it was an action movie, but at the same time, like a whole culture thing as well. Definitely, they were uh, sending a message out there, but it's all wrapped in a, a bundle of of entertainment and and fun at the same time. And speaking of fun, though, freaking Thor Ragnarok, man. <laughs> just the, how different Thor or Chris Hemsworth portrays Thor in Thor Ragnarok compared to uh, Dark World and Thor um, Bleach eyebrows Thor. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he was so stoic in those in those two movies, especially. But in this one, he's not afraid to like joke about himself or other people in this movie. Yeah, from the very opening scene when he's like in that uh, that cage and then he's like dangling from the chain, you already knew that it was going to be different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. And just everything about this movie pretty much is like 10 times better than the first two Thors. So. Yep. Yeah, I remember going in, I was just like, just as long as it's better than the first two. <laughs> I had no expectations, to say the least. Yeah, spoiler alert for uh, our ranking the list. The first two Thors are in the bottom half, <laughs> for sure. Yes, agreed. <laughs> uh, but I want to jump into topic one uh, of our episode, which is the... I want to talk about the best moment from each film. And obviously... Um, Spider-Man Homecoming came out first, right? So let's start off with uh, Spider-Man. All right. For me, I feel like one of the more obvious moments uh, that will get mentioned as far as the best moments of Spider-Man Homecoming was the reveal that Adrian Toomes was Liz's father. But that's actually not my favorite moment. 
My favorite moment was shortly after that when Adrian Toomes is uh, actually driving both Peter Parker and Liz to the homecoming dance. And the entire ride, you know, is just basically filled with tension. You know, there's already that kind of that awkward tension between, you know, the dad and whoever the guy, you know, the high school boy date would be. You know, that's just that natural awkwardness, right? Mm -hmm. But as he's like kind of questioning and, you know, trying to make conversation, you know, he's like getting like these breadcrumbs of, wait, who is this Peter Parker? You know what I mean? And he's like slowly putting it together as the car, that car rides going. And you could tell like the light just turns on. He's like, Oh man, Peter Parker is Spider-Man and he's dating my daughter. And man, the tension, that acting was so good. I remember uh, coming out of uh, finishing homecoming. I remember being really impressed uh, by, uh, by Batman playing Vulture. Uh, what was his name? <laughs> Michael <Sorry>. Keaton. <laughs> Michael Keaton. No, I get it. He definitely pulled some Batman vibes in that scene, though. Yeah, man. Like, it was so intense. It, it got dark real quick. And I felt like that was so good uh, with the acting between uh, Michael Keaton and Tom Holland. That was definitely my favorite part. Yeah, dude. Definitely uh, out of the Spider Man villains, I think definitely Vulture is up there and. Uh, Michael Keaton, at first I was like, oh, what? Batman's going to be playing Vulture? <laughs> the heck? And then, uh, but it definitely fit. Definitely one of the better better villains in the MCU, just in general. I better agree. than Malekith. <laughs> <laughs> if you remember that name, anyone? <laughs> probably um, not. <laughs> probably not. Uh, for me, though, uh, my favorite moment comes shortly after yours oh, <laughs> is man. when, um, you know, uh, Spider-Man Peter Parker confronts Adrian Toomes in the warehouse and oh, pretty man. much the building falls on him. And uh, just that moment of finally accepting that he's Spider-Man, uh, Peter Parker definitely lifting the rubble off himself and accepting that he's Spider-Man and even without the suit and all that stuff uh, was probably my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, wasn't that part like featured in a very early comic book? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like there were imagery, same imagery, same, same everything where you see, he sees the mask in the water and all that stuff where you see a half mask, half Peter Parker face. Uh, that imagery is definitely there. Uh, what about in Thor Ragnarok? Did you have a favorite moment there or uh, or not? <laughs> oh, man, there was a uh, get help. There were no, so many. Kidding. <laughs> well well that one part where loki goes tell me oh no wrong movie <laughs> tell me i wonder if he's gonna do that again in uh the loki show probably not i want to see another loki freak out <laughs> yeah i know right but uh again this was very difficult because i felt like uh there was so many scenes that are so memorable this is one of my favorite MCU movies. This is kind of a little bit of a tease for it uh, later on when we do our MCU ranking. Uh, but if I had to choose a best moment, and this is probably the obvious answer. For, well, I think so. It's when the Hulk gets revealed as the Grandmaster's champion. And in there, and they're in that arena. That moment when Thor yells out the happiest. Yes! And then he goes and he turns to the Grandmaster. And he's like, hey! Hey, hey, we know each other. He's a friend from work. <laughs> that scene always makes me laugh. And, you know, like the battle itself, 
you know, kind of brings uh, brings us back to, you know, the first Avengers, you know, when they're actually having these battles within like these Avengers characters, which was pretty epic at the time. We kind of get to revisit that whole thing uh, within, you know, the, the whole battle arena. And later on, dude, one of the more funnier moments, I think, is, you know, when we get Thor imitating Black Widow with the whole... Hey, big guy, the sun's getting real low. I don't want to hurt you anymore. <laughs> and then and then it just follows up with the Hulk just grabbing him by the legs and just kind of going back and forth and just slamming him. Just like Loki. Just like Loki, exactly. And then Loki's reaction at the very end, right after that, as that's going on, it's like, yes, that's how that feels. Dude, I was dying in the movie theater and I was still dying watching it on Disney+. Plus. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, dude, definitely like that. That's battle sequence. You can see why they weren't in Captain America Civil War because these are the most two overpowered people <laughs> on the team, pretty much. Dude. Strongest Avenger. <laughs> <laughs> Still, that's so good. Oh my, everything about the dialogue is so good. Freaking Taika Waititi. I know. I'm gonna man. watch anything he does, man. Just anything like that. And then just later on, I just want to mention this real quick. When uh, he, Thor takes that little ball, when him and um, Hulk are hanging out in the room, and then he's like, and that's because that's what heroes, and then throws the thing at the at the glass, but it just bounces right back. <laughs> and then he <laughs> and pops right back face. up. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <clears throat> that's what heroes do. <laughs> so good. And the, the humor and the timing, the comedic timing is... So much better than the other two movies. Um, but yeah, for me in Thor Ragnarok, though, uh, you mentioned it just a little bit earlier. It's the opening sequence. I think it definitely sets the tone. But just the fact that you get to see Mjolnir getting fully utilized um, in this scene with the Led Zeppelin song yeah. going on. And I thought that was a smart way of opening this movie pretty much and mm -hmm. to see like later on how much or just in even in uh, future movies also how much Mjolnir is is missed and how overpowered that weapon actually is I know exactly I mean uh I like I still like it every time they have that one shot where it's just isolated on Mjolnir and then like they it, it, it just shows that it's just flying on its own or whatever and it's just kind of gravitating towards Thor's hand or whatever and you could tell Thor was missing out on it so much when he landed on Sakaar the first time and he had his hand out and Mjolnir obviously was already destroyed by Hela. I was like, oh, I kind of yeah. felt bad for him. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what? The hammer pulled you off? <laughs> Freaking Korg. <laughs> yeah. Freaking Korg. Definitely a highlight of Thor Ragnarok also. I agree. Uh, but in Black Panther, did you have anything to highlight there? Yes. And actually, I'll begin my answer. With the opening line of our very, uh, our favorite, our favorite, absolute favorite Mission Impossible movie, the second one. Every search for a hero must begin with something that every hero requires, a villain. And so that <laughs> being said, <laughs> I thought that Eric Kilmarger was probably one of the best written villains of the MCU. Uh, he, I think he's easily top three i think with uh um with loki and uh that thanos guy you know 
Oh, um, the, the 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 grimace guy. Yeah, that grimace guy. That, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I felt like um, he was so well written. He's he's got likable traits, and you can admire the motivations of what he wants to do. He lived, you know, his life outside of Wakanda, and he lived like in the projects in in, in Oakland. That's like how he was basically raised. And then we later find out that he was raised without a father. And for him to want to be able to help his people, because he knows that Wakanda has all of these resources and everything. And he knows that his people are suffering from all of these, you know, oppressors. He wants to help out his people. It's just, you know, I feel like the way he wants to do it is misguided, which is obviously why he's a villain, but you can see his motivations. And man, I felt like his, uh, Michael B. Jordan's acting was so good. Ryan Coogler wrote him so well. Um, do that one scene, when when after he defeats uh, T'Challa uh, in, in the ritual combat and he goes into the ancestral plane when and he's talking to his dad in Jobu, dude, I felt like, man, I got the feels during that um, during that uh, scene. And I felt like that scene uh, was definitely my favorite. That moment was my favorite, that whole ancestral plane scene. Um, so. Mm. Eric Killmonger is a whole, but if I had to pick a scene, that ancestral plane scene was my favorite. Yeah, definitely, man. Because so I feel like he was so wronged that uh, it almost felt right, his motivations. But obviously what, what he was saying was he wanted to kill a lot of people just to get in a place of power. So obviously that was definitely not the right way to go, right. Way, way to go about it. But like you said, he had like ability. He had that swagger and confidence about him also. Mm. Um, so I agree that that scene is, if anything, I think that's an underrated scene in that movie for yes. sure. I agree. Uh, but for me, it's, it's also the ancestral plane scenes but on uh, T'Challa's side. And obviously, um, Chadwick Boseman passed away. And re-watching these scenes, I was like, especially the second one, uh, his second ancestral plane, where he seen all his ancestors and his father there. And and it's like, oh, you know, it's not not my time to go yet. Basically, it's like, oh, I was... I was like, oh, getting so emotional and at that point in the movie and the movie was so good. And I was like, I was just imagining like freaking how, what he could have done with a Black Panther 2. Oh, I know. Well, kind of forever too. And yeah, for ex- exactly, dude. And just seeing, yeah, those two. I remember really liking those two scenes in um, my my first re- uh, my first watching of the movie and mm-hmm. i still really i think they they're even better now mm-hmm. oh for sure i mean it just hits home especially with the tragic death of chadwick boseman uh oh man he's just he was so good in everything he did but for him to play T- t'challa the way he did he was basically perfectly cast for that role um because he's got he has that you know, he's got that quality where you just admire him. You know, mm-hmm. you want to look up to him because, you know, like he, his uh, his motivations are always 
like is selfless and he's always trying to think about it from all perspectives you know he's very thoughtful in that in in that regard and uh it's just sad that uh we won't be able to see him again um especially well in future roles in general because he's such a talented actor but to see him in future um t'challa roles man so yeah. sad he was yeah definitely perfectly casted he definitely had that uh royalty about him but at the same time he felt very down to earth like yeah. he, he's approachable at the same time so it's yeah. like he has that uh, your highness kind of deal about him but at the same time yeah he, he has that friendliness especially with the banter with his sister uh oh, shuri i, know. Shuri, so. yeah. I love i love their banter and then obviously uh with nakia also like there was always that kind of ke- that natural chemistry because you know they both liked each other yeah exactly and i did I actually didn't uh realize this um they they changed the the mcu uh yeah. logo thing in the beginning and it was all uh you know chadwick boseman t'challa black panther and i was like oh i didn't i didn't know about this i didn't want to start off the movie like this <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I forgot to mention that to you because i i remember when uh, uh i guess shortly after chadwick boseman uh passed away they did that as a tribute and they added yeah, they substituted the you know the usual Marvel Studios opening uh, crawl or whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't expecting that, but for sure. Before I get it uh, any more emotional, let's jump into uh, topic <laughs> two. Yeah, and we kind of mentioned a Killmonger uh, just a little bit ago, but uh, out of the three villains, Vulture, Hela, and Killmonger, uh, who was your favorite? Uh, this one was an easy one. It has to be Killmonger because uh, I mean I, I kind of give a spoiler. I guess I forgot this was a, <laughs> the next topic, but uh, Killmonger. I mean, he's just so good. I, I kind of went into the the reasons why I like him as a as a uh, as a villain. I mean, he wanted to use that power to do good, but maybe just like the way he did it. Um, Probably wasn't the best, most productive way because it was kind of violent or whatever. And, you know, he had to kill some people to kind of do it. So, but uh, I, I, again, I got to just, I just got to talk about Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan did such a good job playing uh, that character. I mean, it's, I felt, I feel like the best villains are one are ones where you're kind of conflicted. You know, you, you kind of like him. Like, Man, why am I rooting for this guy? He's a bad guy. It's like, ah, oh, but he's... Because you can identify with him a little bit, you know? And I feel like uh, he did such an amazing job as Killmonger. And uh, yeah, I kind of stole my own thunder from topic one or topic <laughs> two, but uh, oh well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Uh, before I was before this rewatch, I was going to say Vulture. Because mm. Vulture, I think, is re- a really good villain as well but after re-watching black panther man it has to go killmonger i was like oh yeah. man i forgot how good he was it's like oh b- best best villain since loki that i remember everyone was saying i'm like oh really i mean i didn't like loki that much i mean loki was cool i yeah. at the time i liked i liked him better than thor <laughs> well let me ask you this just randomly uh which do you think is a better villain loki or killmonger villain i like killmonger more yeah uh yeah. but actually like yeah just i think loki works better as like an anti-hero yeah for sure like with with thor 
I guess I guess we're lucky to have Loki in multiple films. I don't know if they would ever bring back uh, Michael B. Jordan, maybe for like flashback scenes or whatever in, in future uh, Black Panther movies or, you know, just in, in general. Uh, I doubt that they would do that. It's just kind of sad that we're only confined to this one movie for uh, for Killmonger. But uh, yeah, I just feel like he did such an amazing job with just this one role. Yeah, I definitely like, definitely wish he was in more he was going to be in more stuff, so it kind of sucks. It's just uh, this first Black Panther movie, and it's not like, oh, he went to prison or whatever. He he died, <laughs> so yeah. that sucks. Uh, yeah. And I feel like it's pretty unfortunate. Obviously, um, they're having to figure out Wakanda, uh, the second Black Panther movie, Wakanda Forever, and I wish uh, Killmonger was alive more right. than ever so that he can yeah. you know, uh, come back and carry that that charisma that he had in the first one. Yeah, it would definitely help with the transition. But, I mean, I do have uh, faith that they'll figure something out. I mean, because they did bring back Ryan Coogler for, as director. Uh, but, man, I, I, I also didn't want to forget the whole death scene, um, his death scene. I felt like that was so beautiful, the way they shot it. And then just the dialogue between um, Chadwick Boseman and Michael B. Jordan was so good. Um you know, it's touching, you know, because you could tell that there was a connection, even though they had just met. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I definitely T'Challa saw like that, how wronged he was pretty much. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, had to stop him at any means, pretty much. Right. Uh, for topic three, I want to ask, uh, which was the better reinvention of the character Spider-Man in Homecoming or Thor in Ragnarok? Because obviously Spider-Man coming from Sony, this is his first solo outing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And Thor, uh, at that point in time, has had a rough time. (laughs) To say the least. (laughs) To say the least. Kind of going on that downward trend in terms of uh, uh, critic critic reviews. And uh, I want to say audience reviews also. Um, but so who do you think, uh, had a better reinvention of the character? Who do you think, um, did the character more justice pretty much? Mm. Well, you know, I think we've talked about it offline. Um, and I feel like, uh, well, Tom Holland, I feel is like a prototypical Peter Parker. First of all, he's got the charisma and he actually does look like, and look and sound like he still belongs in high school, which is nice. <laughs> uh, because I feel like, especially with Andrew Garfield, man, he, he really did feel out of place uh, at times because he was, what, he was probably in his 30s already when and he was playing like a high schooler? Yeah, I know in uh, the first Spider-Man, in um, Spider-Man 2002 with Tobey Maguire, Tobey, Tobey Maguire was 25. <laughs> wow. And then I think... Uh, Andrew Garfield in the first Amazing Spider-Man. I want to say he must have been 28 or 30, I think. Yeah. Between yeah. that range. So I, I just know he was a little bit older. Right. And so, I don't know. I just felt like, you know, I just feel like this, he was made for that role. I, f- I felt like they cast him perfectly. He's likable. He's witty. And, you know, it, it's, I feel like the other two, I mean, Tobey Maguire is still like arguably the best one i you know what i still like toby Maguire, just like maybe hair more than tom holland but i feel like tom holland's still kind of an incomplete because i feel like there's going to be more uh 
There's going to be more roles for him. Um, but that being said, I feel like, I mean, because we're talking, <laughs> we talked about it and we alluded to it, how horrible the first two Thor movies were. I feel like because of Ragnarok, because Taika Waititi just did an amazing job just kind of reinventing uh, the Thor character to be more likable and actually just entertaining. Uh, I got to say Thor. I mean, you, you did your best, uh, you know, that, uh, <laughs> that whole strongest Avenger <laughs> dude, that gets me every time. Uh, and, and I felt like because Thor Ragnarok was so successful and so entertaining, it just set up like future Thor, uh, appearances, infinity war Endgame. Now we're talking about Love and Thunder, uh, which is upcoming. If you're, you know, if you're thinking about what 2016, early 2017, you were you were gonna be looking forward to a Thor four, dude. That would have been like crazy. Yeah, dude, I totally agree. I love Tom Holland as Spider Man, and obviously the two two movies before that weren't the greatest. I mean, the first Amazing Spider Man is a pretty uh, passable movie, I think. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 is such a mess, dude. I like just rewatching it kind of recently. Um, yeah, that's they had no idea what like what happened. I have no idea what happened in that movie, and I don't think they they did either. <laughs> um, so I was really looking forward to to Homecoming, but there were still some things in Homecoming that I was still disappointed with, and a lot of people do still think about it or still say it today is that he's been more uh iron boy than spider-man mm. <laughs> where yeah. he's always been in that shadow of tony stark iron man and that's always kind of been his storyline his storyline's always been tied to iron man and in that way it was it was fine in uh in homecoming uh but then consecutive consecutively with um the avengers movies um and also far from home it it was kind of disappointing to see that it it still kept going but kind of seeing how uh homecoming started that trend of being so closely tied to iron man i think it kind of disappointed me a little bit but so i i agree with you thor with a whole like complete revamp and all that stuff, because I feel like he was on the verge of being canceled, pretty much not getting a sequel anymore. <laughs> um, I think even Chris Hemsworth was like, does he actually want to still be Thor <laughs> at the, after Thor Dark World? Um, so it's amazing that they got, uh, after all that, we got Thor Ragnarok. I know, because all of his appearances before Ragnarok were underwhelming, to say the least. You know what I mean? Even, I guess, the most recent one prior to Ragnarok, uh, Age of Ultron. If Age of Ultron is his, I feel like, his best uh, appearance, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. know. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably want to say the first Avengers probably was his best one. Maybe. Maybe. Arguable. Arguable. But he didn't really have the biggest role, I guess. He was mostly the he was the muscle of the group for sure. I felt he was there only because Loki was the main villain, and he, obviously that's his adopted brother. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
Yeah, definitely his appearances weren't very strong, and that was already, what, three appearances in already? Mm-hmm. Yeah, two solo movies, too. And two, yeah, two solo movies. So it's it's pretty crazy how much they uh, they saved his character pretty much in Ragnarok, and now Ragnarok has uh, convinced Chris Hemsworth to play Thor for hopefully years to come. <laughs> so I wanted to throw out our audience question uh, out of the three movies: Homecoming, uh, Thor Ragnarok, and Black Panther. Which is your favorite out of the three? So if you want to reach us on Twitter, uh, you can search us at Weekly Real, uh, and or you can go to our email and tell us there. And uh, what's our what's our email, Ken? <laughs> it's weeklyrealpod at gmail.com. All right, let's take a quick break. Okay, welcome back from the break, and I'm going to jump straight into topic four of our MCU rewatch this episode. It's going to be what is the worst moment or biggest nitpick from each film. And so these are pretty good movies, but I'm sure we could find uh, something wrong with them so or something we didn't like. So Ken, what's, uh, you want to start off with Spider-Man Homecoming? Yeah, I'll start off with a very quick one. Um, do that uh, goof right at the beginning when they're talking about eight years later. Makes absolutely no sense <laughs> in yeah. terms of the actual timeline within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And they acknowledge that that was, a, I guess, an error, right? Yeah, and I still don't know how they did not catch that. Someone I know. Must, someone should have watched the movie because it's literally the first five seconds of the movie. And say, uh, that's a that's wrong. You know, it's supposed to be six years or wait, how many years was it? five years? Well, it was five years, really, because um, remember, this is right after the Battle of New York and they're, you know, doing the cleanup with Adrian Toomes and his and his and his boys and everything. And uh, if they were, you know, I feel like the releases were were actually within the actual year. And that came out in 2017. So I want to say five. It was supposed to be five years. Yeah, or else it would have happened in 20, uh, or Homecoming would have taken place in 2020. 2020. Yeah, I know, exactly. I felt like, I don't know, someone who was typing the stuff up had maybe had the 10 key and they missed that five and they accidentally hit the eight. I don't know, that was the best the best rationalization uh, for the error. On yeah, the or part. they were a, a time traveler and giving us a <laughs> warning for 2020. <laughs> exactly, exactly. There's uh, the uh, cleanup after the Chitari. Yeah. All right. So for me, dude, uh, and I talked about it a little bit earlier. Is the whole Iron Man, oh Iron Man Junior, Spy Iron Boy type of thing. Um, but the I think for me the worst moment would probably be when Iron Man saves yeah. Spider Man at the ferry. Yeah. It's a cool sequence, but for in story wise, for Iron Man just to bail him out like that, I was like, ah, oh. and. Um, do, watching a bunch of uh, video essays, film essay type of stuff on YouTube and all that. Uh, I think for me, especially the the many faults of uh, Spider-Man Homecoming is that the lack of consequences in Spider-Man Homecoming. And I feel like the, the fairy like splitting apart and Iron Man just bailing them out, saving them and putting everything back together was such a letdown for me. 
I think uh, what makes Spider-Man so relatable is that no matter how many times he he fails, how many times he messes up, he always gets back up. Um, no matter how big uh, his mistake was, even if he's the one who caused the mistake uh, or puts the mistake on his back. And it kind of sucks that Iron Man was just the one to bail him out. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I felt like uh, if they wanted to kind of connect Spider-Man to the, you know, overall Avengers type storyline, I felt like it would have been best served if they would have had maybe an Iron Man cameo um, either in the middle or later on in the film, you know, but have an actual Spider-Man story, you know, against Spider-Man villains and you know, he can fail on his own. He could, you know, like get back up on his own. You know what I mean? And I felt like uh, the reason why we love those, especially those Tobey Maguire movies was because, you know, he, you know, we got to remember he's only a high school student. He's young and he's going to be kind of dumb at times. You know, he's going to make mistakes because if you think about how we all were when we were in high school, we were really young and stupid. And I feel like, um, to be able to relate to Peter Parker having made mistakes, but also learning from them and, and you know, in the at the end, you know, like uh, saving the day or whatever. That's how that's why we um, that's why we can relate to Spider-Man and Peter Parker. And I feel like that's why Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2 is arguably still. And this is what, 20 oh no, 17 years later, arguably still the best uh comic book movie out there of all time yeah dude because uh that toby Maguire version of peter parker spider-man was basically like a human punching bag mm -hmm. <laughs> pretty much and uh got up every time and i think that's what made that spider-man so uh admirable and so i hope you know uh tom holland tom holland still has some time some movies in him uh no way home later this year to kind of get that um that character arc going that spider-man is usually known for so uh but i want to jump into thor ragnarok i know this is a bit of a hard one actually when i was thinking about it uh any nitpicks on thor ragnarok yeah actually um it, it is a nitpick i felt like you know its greatest strength is kind of its weakness a little bit i felt like you know, with Ragnarok, it's so entertaining. But at times, especially when you're dealing with the goddess of death, that sounds like someone to be reckoned with, right? I felt at times there was like um, no stakes because mm. everything felt so jokey, if that's a word. Um, and so I felt like when you're talking about Ragnarok, the prophecy is, you know, ad, uh, the, the downfall and the destruction of Asgard. And I felt like, I guess the one flaw of Thor Ragnarok is that as a movie is that you didn't really feel the emotional stakes, you know? And I felt like the adjustment with Thor uh, in future movies, you still got kind of got that whole Taika Waititi type Thor, but you got a little bit of um, variety. There was like levels to his acting because like when he needed to be emotional, you felt for him. Remember in, uh, Avengers uh, Infinity War, you know, when he's having that dialogue with uh, with Rocket and he's talking about how he lost his dad and he mm -hmm. lost his eye and, you know, 
lost his mom and everything. Like he, you felt bad for him. You felt sad for him. And then remember in Endgame when he comes back and he, um, you know, they do the whole time travel thing to Thor the Dark World right before Frigga dies. And he has that um, conversation. You felt bad because, you know, he knows that, you know, he wants to warn her because she's going to die or whatever. And he misses his mom and everything. So I felt like they fixed that flaw within Thor because, I mean, Thor Ragnarok was the catalyst for the, just like you what you said, the revamping of his character. And so if I had to pick a nitpick, uh, if I had to choose a nitpick for Thor Ragnarok, you just didn't feel the stakes you know, um, when you should have at times. I can see that for sure. Especially at the end when Korg's like, Oh, you know, the, the foundation is still good. And obviously it's, um, uh, Asgard is all exploding and all that stuff. It's a very sad moment when you think about it, even though Asgard, um, wasn't the best, like most interesting place, uh, in the last two movies, but you know, you still felt bad cause it was, it was Thor's home and Korg is like, Oh, it could be rebuilt and all that stuff as long as the foundations are still good. And then, and then oh. that was, oh, oh, no, those foundations are gone and all that stuff. And yeah. I thought that it was funny. Yeah. Admittedly, but it did kind of take away from the emotional beats <laughs> yeah. from, from the scene. I agree. Uh, for me, nitpick, no Jane. I'm just kidding. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I know that's your girl. <laughs> coming back as Thor, uh, she's coming back as Thor, so we'll see. But yep. yeah, I actually thought No Jane was good in this. Just another thing, just because we got to see. Uh, I don't feel like MCU has really ever done rom- a romance that justice besides Pepper and uh, Tony and then uh, Steve and Peggy. But my nitpick, dude, it was way uh, when uh, Odin's death scene. The way it looked, it looked like they just shot it. It was probably on a green screen, mm-hmm. but it looked so obvious that it was on a green screen. You know what I mean? Like the lighting looked really weird. Okay. And even though they said it was like a Norway or whatever, yeah. and they were just sitting in some random grass, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> uh, it looked really weird. And uh, when you watch the first trailers of um, Thor Ragnarok, the scene is completely different when Hela uh, destroys the Mjolnir. It's like in an alleyway in the first trailer, and so I feel like it was completely digitally like uh, remastered or re- retweaked or whatever. And I feel like that's why that scene. Every time I watch it, kind of kind of bothers me just visually. How about for Black Panther? Did you have anything uh, to nitpick with Black Panther? Again, thank you again for the perfect segue because my nitpick is the CGI of Black Panther. I felt like the CGI looked pretty cool, but I felt like it didn't feel and look real uh, at times. You know, I'll kind of go back to the kind of the chase scene uh, in Korea and also the end, uh, I guess, uh, fight between uh, Killmonger and, and, and Black Panther. I felt like the the action was surprisingly at times was the worst part of the movie because it just felt unrealistic. It just felt like you were watching kind of a cartoon. It didn't feel like the physics were, it felt a little off to me. Yeah. And he didn't so, really have any, like it didn't feel like um, black Panther had any weight to weight. Him, You know what I mean? It yeah. Felt like he was floating everywhere. Exactly. I felt like that reminds me of, I guess my nitpick of the Sam Raimi first Spider-Man was 
I felt it, it was similar in that regard. But I mean, you're talking about technology from what, 2002? One? One? 2002? Probably. I forget. Maybe 2000, 2001, because I think it got delayed because of uh, 9-11. Oh, 9-11, right. That's right. So, but you're kind of comparing a movie that's 20, 20 years apart almost. And um, and I feel like they should have, I, I felt like the physics, they could have improved that. And so it's a minor nitpick. And yeah, that's the best I could come up with for Black Panther. <laughs> yeah, same here, man. Uh, like, Which is weird because in the first fight scene, uh, of the movie where uh, T'Challa's in his um, first Black Panther outfit, I feel like it looked better on yeah. screen. Yeah. Just the way the light hit it. Um, and I like the new design of the of the newer costume, but just the way it translates into on, on film. Pretty. I don't know if they were using a digital suit or if it was... Um, just the way it appeared, the actual physical costume appears on screen just looks like that. Uh, it looked kind of pretty fake, especially um, that final battle on the on the rails, pretty much on that monorail type type deal. And I remember watching behind the scenes of that final uh, scene, and they're not wearing it. Um, Chadwick Boseman and Michael B. Jordan aren't wearing their costumes. They're actually in their own, like, type of outfits. So I can see why the... Because it's pretty much all digital. Mm -hmm. And But like like you said, the the physics are also really weird. And, yeah, just the CGI overall kind of takes you out of some of the action sequences. Even though the choreography of the action sequences is good. Yeah. But just the way it's kind of executed, I think, takes you out of it. Yeah, it reminds me of, you remember how we've had in uh, prior MCU episodes, we've talked about the Iron Man suits and how like we, I guess, enjoy the earlier suits because there's more of a a practicality to it versus like the later suits where it feels more CGI. I felt like it's, there's a good parallel between the earlier Iron Man suits and how that looks better, you know, compared, you know, comparing the earlier black panther suit because it seems more practical versus the uh i mean even though it looks cool again just the way they executed it just looks kind of fake yeah unfortunately it's such a great movie but they definitely could have tweaked some of their cgi i agree uh for topic five i want to jump into our best stan lee cameo so we'll Let's do that first, and then we'll talk about our non-Stan Lee cameo. But which one, out of the three, which one was your favorite Stan Lee cameo? Actually, did you want to just kind of go over which uh, like which cameos he appeared in for all three movies? Yeah, so for Spider-Man Homecoming, he was basically that old man hanging outside the window, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, just screaming at Peter Parker because he, he was stopping the guys like, oh, that's his car and all that stuff. Because uh, Spider-Man thought he was a robber, but he really wasn't. <laughs> and then uh, in Thor Ragnarok, Stan Lee was playing um, a bit of a space barber. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and uh, with a lot of scary tools in his uh, tool belt, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then in Black Panther, he was a, uh, how do you describe it? Casino patron? A pa- patron? Yeah, you know what? I actually looked it up in um, IMDb. <laughs> they actually listed him as Thirsty Gambler. 
which I think is probably the funniest part of of that. <laughs> which is because he obviously he just takes uh, T'Challa's chips from the table. And says, I'll just set these over here. <laughs> and you could tell he's uh, kind of inebriated. I felt like there's that connection between that character, that cameo, and, uh, and a little bit of Agent Ultron uh, mm-hmm. when he plays that drunk guy too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so good. Because hopefully he's probably still drunk from whatever Thor gave him. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so well, if I had three, yeah, yeah if, if I had to pick one for for Stan Lee, um, dude, uh, for me, it's an easy choice. It's the Ragnarok one, just because of the whole. I mean, it just looks pretty crazy because it's the futuristic barber with the crazy tool thing, where it's just it just looks like some crazy looking saw with I don't know, it's like rotating and stuff. I don't know, but the whole interaction between. Stanley and Thor is just what gets me every time. And then Thor is all like, please, kind sir, do not cut my hair. And then just Stanley just starts laughing. And then Thor is like pleading with him, please, no, no. <laughs> it's so emotional because obviously he's so, you know, like one of his uh, trademarks is his long hair. Uh, even though it was fake in the first Thor with his eyebrows and everything. I mean, you talked about the bleach blonde eyebrows oh it's still the worst nitpick of thor (laughs) yeah exactly um yeah that scene uh with uh stan lee and thor it just reminds me in dumb and dumber when uh they're buffering gonna buffer his toenails (laughs) (laughs) the the reactions of uh, of jim carrey with the whole sparks flying and everything <laughs> it just starts screaming. That's what it reminded me of. Uh, but for me, I was gonna choose the Spider-Man Homecoming, just mm. because Stanley. Just seeing Stanley in another Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Um, and it's obviously he created Spider-Man. Um, and just to see to see him interact with with uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man is pretty cool. Uh, how about for your best non-Stanley cameo? I'm kind of excited now because we, we were talking about this uh, off offline, I guess. And you said, oh, we probably have the same one. It's pretty obvious. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> it's like, are, are you sure it's obvious? And, and so you want to reveal who your was? Who's Dude, I was surprised yours? that you didn't think it was obvious. Well, and, and, and you know what's funny? Because I thought it was obvious. I was like, you know what? I'll pivot into someone else. So that's kind of like the teaser. But I feel like the obvious answer is Matt Damon as Loki in the theater scene in Ragnarok. <laughs> Shoot, I hella forgot. No! That's why I, I mean, thought it was obvious. Oh, yeah. that's. I mean, that's definitely up there for sure. Because yeah. with the bendy horns, the way he says it yeah, and he's dying and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I felt like that was the obvious answer. And I was like, man, he probably will have this as his answer. Uh, because, I mean, just to... I mean, I didn't expect that at all. The fact that when he shows up, it reminded me of Interstellar when he pops, uh, when he emerges from uh, that cryo sleep thing, that po- uh, that pod, and then he like he wakes up and then he lovingly just cries in uh, Matthew McConaughey's arms. It reminded me of that because it seemed like it, well, he was horizontal again <laughs> and he was dying, or it's feel like it felt like he was dying. Anyway, that's I felt like that was the obvious answer, and that's why I was like, ah, oh, you know what? I'll pivot into another another cameo just so that we could get some variety. I so, mean, in just in that scene alone, there's like two other ones. 
And actually, that's uh, the one that I'm going to mention is uh, the other one. It's the guy who plays actor Thor. Um, and it ends up being, you know, it, it's actually Chris Hemsworth's brother, his other brother, Luke Hemsworth. And so the reason why I chose him as, I guess, my favorite non-Stan Lee cameo is because, well, I'm a huge, huge fan of the HBO show Westworld. And I thought it was pretty cool that in Ragnarok, we got to see Anthony Hopkins, Tessa Thompson, and Luke Hemsworth in the same movie because they're featured prominently in Westworld, uh, especially season one. Yeah, just seeing all of the, uh, those three actors, at least in the same movie, but also um, Jurassic Park's Sam Neill as yes. Odin. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, that dude, that's perfect so uh, for the stage play for Loki. <laughs> but yeah do that that theater scene when i first saw it in the in the movie theaters was so good especially with matt damon oh my god i was dying but surprisingly enough my best non-stanley cameo is none of the three <laughs> no way mine's was... a bit of a extended uh cameo it's actually uh donald glover Ooh, uh, as yeah. Aaron Davis. Uh, yeah. Obviously, if um, if you know anything about Spider-Man villains, Aaron Davis is a future villain called the Prowler. But also, more importantly, he mentions his nephew, um, Miles. Miles. Miles Morales, who's obviously a future Spider-Man. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a version of Miles in the future. Because normally a black and red Spider-Man suit is normally a Miles Morales thing. And uh, let's say, like, in, you know, in Far From Home, he got a bit of a new costume that's red and black. So I wouldn't be surprised if Miles ends up stealing that suit at some point. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I mean, I, you know, it just reminds me, of, well, actually, kind of going back to... Spot the spot enter the spider verse. Is that the same character? Uh, this is just a question that I have for you with Aaron. Is that the uncle who yeah. ends up being it's the same guy, right? Yeah, same guy. It's pretty much obviously since Tom Holland's younger, the, yeah. the uncle has to be younger, younger at the same time. So, yeah, yeah they definitely the same character. Oh, it is okay. I was just I just wanted to make sure just because the whole connection and everything. Because I remember watching Homecoming, I was just like, oh. There's childish, childish Gambino. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, now that uh, it, I don't know, it just clicked when you were just talking about Uncle Aaron. I was like, oh shoot, Enter the Spider Verse. Mm, yeah, for sure. That when you watch it, you'll definitely see uh, some connections with that. Oh, I might have to rewatch it again now. Shoot. Okay, so for topic six, I wanted to ask. Uh, you know, in Thor, Ragnarok, and Black Panther, they featured family members that were previously never mentioned but ended up being the main villains of each movie. You know, Thor had Hela, and then uh, T'Challa had Eric Killmonger and all that stuff. So, uh, who do you think, in your opinion, was more surprised about this revelation in the family? I felt you've, um, I felt that T'Challa felt it more just because... Um, it wasn't just the fact that he um, he's finding out that he has a, a cousin that's alive, but the fact that uh, he, you know, he found out that his dad through uh, what was uh, Forrest Whitaker's character's name again? I forgot. I know it was so it was too similar to, to Shuri. It was like yeah. um, 
I forgot. It, it sounded well, very similar. Yeah. Well, Forrest Whitaker's character, I, I forget the name. Um, I felt like he, him finding out that his dad killed his uncle and left um, a baby, just, you know, his uh, young son, I should say, alone and, and didn't care to, you know, try to take care of him or whatever. When I'm sure King T'Chaka knew that he had a nephew. The fact that he just left them there, I think that was that whole thing, and it, and it meant so much more, and it was more of a shock emotionally for T'Challa. Yeah, dude, I would definitely say the same, especially the way uh, T'Challa acted, especially in the ancestral planes. Like, oh, oh. you you set this whole thing. The acting was so good, so good, yeah. In that scene, I completely agree. Uh, I think maybe uh, Ragnarok kind of undercutted the the violence. Mm-hmm. of Odin's past and Hela's past, yeah. them two together. Uh, I think the the, com- the comedy probably hid that a little bit, and I think that's why, uh, at least on the surface of the movie, um, T'Challa definitely was more emotionally connected <laughs> to, um, to Eric Killmonger. I agree. All right, now we're going to get into one of our favorite games, here on the Weekly Real Podcast, and it's the Guess the Rotten Tomatoes score. And last week, I did uh, squeak it out just a little bit and got one more point with the Whiplash episode. So right now, I'm up 9-7, but today, three points are in the air today. So uh, we're going to be guessing one at a time for each of the three movies. So Ken, for Spider-Man Homecoming... What is your guess? Well, I'm guessing because Tom Holland was so likable and, you know, had uh, appearances by Tony Stark, I'm guessing 88 for Spider-Man Homecoming. Ooh, okay. I guessed a little bit higher. I guessed 91%. Ooh, okay. Let's see. I almost thought we were going to choose the same thing again. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like there's a range for all three movies that will, will hit. If you type in Spider-Man, it doesn't show up. Okay, let's see. Oh, it has to be Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, here, here we go. Spider-Man Homecoming, 92%. <laughs> oh, what? Oh, uh, man. Uh-oh. It's oh, these no. MCU episodes, man, are the killer ones. Make or break. What is it now, 10-7? 10-7 right now. I need these two badly, then. All right, then Thor Ragnarok. I'll go first since we're alternating. Uh, I'm I guess ninety four percent. Ooh, okay. Well, I went ninety two percent. All right, Thor Ragnarok. I'm worried now. Thor, all right, here we go. Thor Ragnarok is. Wait, what? What was your guess again? Ninety two. Ninety three percent on <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> damn it <laughs> <laughs> it's like just right there if it could have been one way or the other oh man right there. so wait if it's uh 11, 11 to 8 now 11 7 you mean no wait did you guess nine wait what did you guess 94 yeah i guess 92 so we both get the point wait wait a minute 92 90 oh yeah you're right holy crap 
Yeah, yeah, eleven to eight. Jesus. Yeah, we we share that point, or yeah, we yeah. both get a point. I should because the the variance is the same. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah. All right. Okay. And that was anticlimactic. Uh, that was very anti. But and I really needed that one point by myself. <laughs> Shoot. That's why I was like, damn it. <laughs> All right. So Black Panther. Uh, what's your guess? Okay, I'm thinking I'm going a little higher. Going ninety four. Ooh, I guess even higher than that. I guess ninety eight. <laughs> Oof. Okay, watch it be 96. I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> no, seriously. Black Panther. 2018. I... 96, huh? It's 96. <laughs> no way. <laughs> That's crazy, dude. And we have to say this every week. We choose our scores uh, offline separately. And then we just reveal them here. We just keep them on our notes. It's like we don't share or anything like that. And we don't cheat or anything like that. So Obviously. <laughs> obviously. We do. Um, like, all right. I guess ending score for today's episode is 12 to 9. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. You actually ended up with three points this week. And I somehow got two points and I lost ground this week. That's so crazy to me. <laughs> I don't think this has ever happened in any of our episodes so far. It's kind of expected, though, because I felt like all three movies were good. And I felt like we were kind of confined to, like, this little bubble, like, in the upper echelon, I should say, with the scoring. Yeah, yeah. So it was was hard. You had to get it very on point. Yeah. It it reminded me of last week, you know, with Whiplash. Yeah, because we knew it was going to be good. Or we knew the score was going to be high. Mm -hmm. So, but... In our MCU uh, episodes, another favorite section of mine is where we rank the films. Uh, so we're going to start off from the very bottom tier <laughs> of the MCU. So we're going to rank uh, 18 to 15 so far. So you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. So uh, actually, no surprises. Actually, from uh, part five, I felt like everything just kind of shifted down. Uh, so no changes for my bottom four um, so I have Thor to the Dark World at 18, uh, The Incredible Hulk at 17, Doctor Strange at number 16, and Iron Man 2 at 15. Dang. Ours is a little bit different already, man. Yeah. Um, my 18 is The Incredible Hulk. Uh, my 17 is Thor. 16, Thor to the Dark World. And I actually changed it up just a little bit. I actually bumped... Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 down to 15. Oh, so it did change a little bit. Okay. All right. You want to go with uh, 14 to 10? Yeah. Okay. So, again, no changes here um, from 14 to 10. Uh, I went with Thor at 14, uh, Avengers Age of Ultron at 13, Ant-Man at number 12, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 at 11, and Iron Man 3 pushed down and barely hanging on to the top 10. Dang, okay. Yeah, I almost wanted to move Iron Man 3, but I'm still like kind of hesitant to. Uh, so my, uh, my number 14 is Iron Man 2. Number 13, Doctor Strange. Uh, number 12, Iron Man 3. Number 11, Avengers Age of Ultron. Then number 10, Ant-Man. Ooh, okay, man, we got some variety going on here. Yeah, I don't think we have any have any uh, overlapping yet, actually. Nope. 
<laughs> All right. So you want to start off with your number nine to four? Yeah, yeah nine to four. I felt. I feel like this is where things get real interesting because yeah. I feel like there's like a cluster in there somewhere, you know? Okay, this is where mine changes a little bit. I felt like the more I looked at the... Uh, the more I looked at uh, some of these movies and, and I guess the emotional stakes, especially now that we're 23 films into the MCU, the Avengers now slips down to nine. Number eight is where I actually have Spider-Man Homecoming. Hmm. Yeah, number eight. So, I mean, that obviously a new, um, a new entry. Then actually... Leaping up a couple of spots, um, especially with these three new films. I have Captain America, the first Avenger. I feel like that movie has definitely aged really well for me because I've done another couple of um, rewatches since part uh, five because, you know, like, you know, watching the Falcon and Winter Soldier. I was like, man, I felt like that added a little bit more to uh, the first Avenger. So I have that at number seven, number six, Captain America, Civil War. Number five, Guardians of the Galaxy. And number four, Iron Man. Ooh, whoa. Oh, yeah, I know. I knew you would, I knew you would react to that. No way. That's yeah, crazy. man. What Iron Man got pushed from number two to number four. No. Dang. All right. So we actually have a little bit of overlapping in the beginning of that uh, yeah. with me and you. I actually have number nine is the Avengers. Okay. Uh, number eight is Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Number seven is Captain America, the first Avenger. Mm. Then I got number six, Spider-Man Homecoming. Ooh, okay. Number five, Black Panther. Oh. Number four, Thor Ragnarok. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I feel like uh, you're sticking with the earlier films, and I feel like this one, I'm changing it up. And I felt like I don't. I don't think it's recency bias. I, I, I feel like, um, especially where the MCU ended up going after some of these films, I, you know, you get the benefit of you know the 2020 hindsight. And I feel like, oh man, these three films, man, I'm telling you. Yeah, I might. I still might need to update it. Maybe later on, you know, as we. Uh, continue our rewatch, but uh, let's finish off with our current top, top three. three. Oh, all right. Well, coming in at three, Thor Ragnarok. Hmm. Number two, Black Panther. I oh, just yeah. could. I, I just couldn't put Black Panther above my number one, Captain America: The Winter Soldier, because of the action sequence. I felt like. If the CGI was cl a little cleaner, I think that would have been enough to bump uh, Captain America the Winter Soldier. But I feel like Captain America the Winter Soldier's got um, everything going for it. The story, the, the action, um, the, uh, like the, the ramifications of that movie, you know, moving forward in the uh, MCU. The Winter Soldier is still my number, uh, number one favorite. Yeah, dude, I can definitely see Black Panther. As a solid story, the pacing's perfect. Mm -hmm. It's just those little things do 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 add up. Right. Uh, for me, number three is going to be Captain America: Civil War. Mm -hmm. Number two, Iron Man. The number one, same as you, Captain America: The Winter Soldier. 
Yeah. Dang. Yeah. So we still have a you know couple more rewatches to go until we're all caught up. So you know anything can change pretty much on the list as we think about it a little bit more. But currently, that's our list. Yeah, it's weird that the last two. Uh, well, part five and part six for me. The first Avenger has crept up every time. It, it's managed to stay up there, and it's it, it just keeps changing. I feel like the Avengers keeps going down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The first Avengers definitely yeah. um, doesn't hold up as much. It's still good, but yeah, these other uh, you have to make room for the other movies. Exactly, especially for part seven and part eight next season next season yep but uh instead of thinking too far into the future do you want to preview what's happening next week yes uh so jeremy next week we find out if hope is a good thing or if hope is a bad thing in the epic 1994 film the shawshank redemption and so this movie is easily in my top 10 movies of all time and perhaps in my top five. And so next week, I will be sharing this classic with Jeremy, who still has not seen it yet. And you know what, Jeremy? It's actually streaming on HBO Max because we're still not sponsored. <laughs> yep, still not sponsored. And it's probably in my top three movies that I probably should watch. <laughs> yes, it's uh, definitely different than what we've seen so far this year. And I feel like it's going to be a, a pretty good breath of fresh air. All I'll say is be awake when you watch it because there's going to be subtle things within the movie. And that's why I was very generic with the the, the preview because I didn't want to spoil anything. I want you to get the whole Shawshank Redemption uh, experience. Yeah, I don't think I've been spoiled before. Good. Maybe good. very minorly on like super vagueness but i don't know any specifics so that's good yeah watch it with subs on because the dialogue is so good and you'll know what i mean subs on okay subs on subs on all right so if you want to follow me on the social medias i'll be on twitter at jp underscore flicks how about you ken um just on Instagram and Twitter, like always, at FreeKane. And uh, for both of us, the spelling will be in the episode notes. All right, man. I'm excited to talk about the Shawshank Redemption next week. I had fun talking about these really good uh, MCU movies. Obviously, uh, in our ranking, we obviously favored Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther very highly. And those are really good. Um it's just unfortunately, you know, we don't have all the time in the world to talk about these three movies, but you know, we could always mention them in the future. Yeah. So look forward to next week on uh, Shawshank Redemption. That's going to be episode 35. Uh, but until then, have a great week and we'll see you next time on The Real. <laughs>